0: Hello, and welcome to the new Scripts and Scribes podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Fukunaga. What makes it new? Well, this is our first video version of the podcast, so if you're used to listening to the audio version, you can now watch the entire interview on video. Just go to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash scripts or the link is also on our website, scriptsandscribes.com. The first guest on our new audio and video podcast is a good friend of the show, and based on our download numbers, one of the show's most popular guests. He's a literary manager and producer who got to start working at William Morris, UTA, and at Hollywood Gang Productions at Warner Brothers. I'm pleased to have back on the podcast, Mr. Scott Carr. Thank you for joining us again, Scott. It's always great to have you. You no, have such so was... great insight.
1: I appreciate the invitation.
0: Thanks yeah. If, if there's a writer out there and they're just getting started, they finished a script, it's obviously not the first draft. Please don't send your first drafts. Um, it's not a first draft. What is the first thing they should do with that script? Um, if
1: assuming they don't have any representation, right. I think it's okay for them to be representing what they believe to be the final, um, expression of that, sure. be it a film or a TV show. It may be more in the domain of the representative to advise them if they need to think about reverse engineering this mm-hmm. into some sort of branding opportunity. Uh, cause that, that's more of a strategic business thing. I think first and foremost, unless it's a creative decision Initiated by the author. Like if a writer creates an idea and they are most inspired to tell it as a comic book or a short story than they are a featured TV show, then they should write it in that format because that's going to be the most unencumbered creative process for them to create freely. Um, if they happen to write it as a screenplayer of a TV show and then they question, maybe through various feedback, that it might require some, some source material. That's now not so much a creative decision initially as it has become a business decision. I think that when they when they if they do that in a vacuum, um, one it might be unnecessary, two it might be inorganic for their process, or three, it might be a waste of their time and take so long to the point at which maybe if there was a really good idea in there it becomes it becomes kind of old if if time passes and that idea is kind of put out there in some other format before because they spent a year reverse engineering it into a comic book or something. Right. So I think it really is about whether or not that creative author um, can organically create it in that format at all. And if and if they think they can, they might want to try to get representation off the quality of the work they've presently created and go from there. Because I I think in the current marketplace, like, There is certainly a trend that's been going on for some time now, especially the last several years of branded material seeming to be the most viable in the market. In TV and network, it's a lot about remaking a film as a TV show or rebooting an old TV show. That's more the network model. In cable, to a certain degree, yes. More, I think, like, like obscure or popular books being turned into series that require the that require kind of the, um, the creative latitude that Cable provides, be it a Game of Thrones or a Man in the High Castle or whatnot, um, and original ideas may seem like they're not getting through as much. I think when it comes to writers getting their start, what's most important is the originality of their idea right. and just expressing that in a format they ultimately want to write in, be it TV or film or otherwise. And then with representation, there will be advice on how to take that voice, take that content and prepare them for the market. Be it through that material or be it through other material or through assignments they can get off that material. They want to write in television, you know, it's it's a lottery ticket to get your original script through the development gauntlet onto the air. Mm-hmm. If anything, a really good tele- piece of television writing is going to be used as a sample to get them into some Mandated series that's already out there going through the hiring process. So they don't have to overthink whether or not their idea is ripe and ready for the airwaves. And those few and far between ones that really are spectacular in their originality and viable thereby, I think then they definitely need the support of representation and producers to help position that in the market such that they can take advantage of the fact that this material seems like it's special enough and commercial enough to exist that way. And it's really not, it's hard for them, writers, to judge that because any writer is probably going to love their material no matter what level it's at. It really does come down to the feedback from people that know the market and have read a broad swath of material to determine how special that is. Right, right. Um, So I think... I question whether or not they have to overthink that much of a strategic business angle at that stage. If they have access to representation through various methods and they really genuinely believe their material is strong enough and it's been vetted such that it's determined to be so, then they should try to get try to get it in there and then work with another person who knows what they're doing so that they feel like they're getting more succinct guidance
0: right. on how to get to Oz. Now- talking about the vetting and talking about getting uh, feedback, professional level feedback, there's a myriad of ways of doing that. You Mm -hmm. know, the first being obviously working in the business, making network, you know, networking, making friends in the business, making connections and contacts and people that you know and respect that will read your material and give you good feedback, tell you this is ready, this isn't ready. There are, and there's a whole spectrum of, of people from that point down to, You know, people paying for script services, readers, uh, paid readers, and services, the blacklist, and all these different um, paid pitches, you know, to get access and all these types of things. How does a writer out there know what is worth their time and money and what isn't?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. I think, and there's a lot of, I think more so than ever, there's a lot of access points. Sure. Some of them may be dead ends. Some of them may not be the best route to go. I think any writer should do their research.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: They should, um, you know, the internet is a vast um, a vast source of all kinds of information, and I think they can maybe determine what are the more legitimate sources of, of vetting and consultations throughout... The, the, throughout, um, the industry, right? I think it's, it, but it's all for most writers. Like the, the order of operations is get a represent, get a representative, sure. be it, you know, a manager first or an agent first or vice versa. And, um, and then with that representative, try to position the material in the market to producers and executives and buyers and filmmakers and whatnot. So really what they're trying to do is they're trying to get their material into the hands of a representative. So the question becomes, how do they do that? And I think, you know, in being a representative, especially one whose business has been evolving the last several years since I started out, and even previous to that working for years in the agencies, I've been evolving and developing my own taste and my own understanding of the kind of quality I wanna be working with and taste I wanna be working with. So like, even my business model has now evolved where like, I kind of know it when I see it a lot cleaner and clearer now. Um, and many, many writers are still going through a developmental writing process where they're still finding their voice. They're still developing their craft, but they don't necessarily know that. Right. And they're trying to access representation with material that at least, I guess only can speak from I, but at least, at least from what I know to be about my business and what I think to be shared by a number of my peers in representation, it's probably not going to cut it. So, so... I think if they're leading with that material and they haven't done their due diligence with submitting it to maybe contests or through script consultations or maybe at least having a number of people that they know who have taste or at least have the patience and the honesty of reading and advising on material, they take advantage of these resources before you come to representatives and accessing us can be done through referrals. It can be done through queries. Mm -hmm. Um, There's ways you can do that. We can talk about that in a bit, but I think what's most important is that they're leading with their best foot forward so they don't have a spoiled bite at the apple. And that's where I do think some of the contests and the script, contests less so because frankly, if they don't make it through the gauntlet to the semifinals or whatever, right. they're not probably gonna get much substantive feedback on what they need to do to improve it. Sure. And then they, the only feedback they might get is it's probably not strong enough t- to get to the quarter final of a contest it's probably not strong enough to move the needle for a representative. Right. And they're just gonna have to like try to figure that out through their own subjective process. If they work with a, con- a script consultant, a one-on-one way then and provided that that consultant actually has like if they're if they've been doing it a, a number of years and you can find anything on the internet about people it's sure. someone who seems legitimate then chances are that person will give them a barometer of where they're 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 at now right and hopefully like maybe using a football analogy hopefully they're no longer in their own red zone when it comes to like their quality of craft understanding that they're actually approaching the other, the, of uh, the opponent side. And then with the script consultant, they'll hopefully be able to close any of the remaining gaps on the idea, the execution of that right. maybe giving them some advice on how to approach their voice in a more like, you know, eloquent way or cinematic expression of it. And the good ones are all about rolling their sleeves up and providing substantive notes. Um, and they have a responsibility to do that regardless of whether or not the writer is going to get it there. But they're at least going to give them the tools they need to close the gap. And then it's on the writer to execute that. Right. Um, so that's, I do think that's a great resource if a writer isn't quite... If they really want to make sure that when they reach out to representation through whatever form... They're doing it um, with the best expression of their material. And I think a misconception people have about management is that we're, I think they think that we'll, like, cause we do help close the gap between where it's at and where it can be. But at least I can't anymore take like fundamentally broken scripts right. and bring them into the possibility of being strong enough to be taken to market. Right, because I, you're not a writing coach. I'm not a writing you're coach. You're not a writing teacher. Exactly. And even right. if I'm approaching the process more producerally, which does take on an additive role of development, of building the process such that it's moving towards a, a movie all the steps of the way, um, I want to have confidence that my writer knows this story better than anyone else, that they're the mm-hmm. smartest person in the room, and they're really only needing someone to come in and add perspective or context. And maybe we get into the surgical elements as the process moves along, but it, it shouldn't feel like this laborious hand-holding. That, for me, is not where my business is at. And frankly, I think any writer that's there is probably not going to find a legitimate representative that's going to be able to go the distance with them and have the patience or the time to do that. And But they can absolutely work on that themselves through the process of writing and reading and getting a sense of what a spec script should look and sound like from finding them on the internet. Right. You know, just you have an idea for a movie and you've written your draft and you know what that looks like and maybe you've stepped away from it long enough to have a modicum of objectivity about that. Read a spec script in the zone of your, of your script and ask yourself like, honestly, are you close right. to this in terms of the quality of the writing and the execution and the idea? And if you're not, close the gap. You know, break down that screenplay into what worked. Look at other screenplays, look at the movie, watch the movie of that screenplay right. and see how it went through the process. And then, and then and give yourself time and patience to be able to get objective about your material because the thing that kills cre- like growth in a screenplay is subjectivity and being mired in your ideas as being the best. Like I would look at it as more gardening, like the first draft is definitely laying down the fertilizer. It's the shit on the top of the garden that's as far from the seeds as it's going to be just to kind of get a sense of the dimensions of the garden. But if they want to get to the seeds of those ideas, the quality that's going to sprout healthy plants that they're going to be watering through draft and draft and draft, they have to continue to excavate their ideas. They have to be able to challenge their ideas. They have to be able to write something and say, what if this sucked? Just give them the chance to say they wrote badly to challenge themselves. Maybe it's brilliant. But if it's brilliant, they're not gonna know it's brilliant until they challenge that it wasn't. Right. And then see if they can find a stronger idea. And continue. And eventually they're gonna start to build up an intuition on when they've got it and when they haven't. And that's an incredible asset for a writer to have internally when they do that. And it will be a lot easier for them to succeed and be sustainable when they don 't have to have all of their material noted to death by everyone because they 're turning in their first drafts thinking it 's brilliant, so the script consultants and the contests to a less degree, I think can help with that, but stuff like the blacklist website and everything like I think they do have readers on there and everything sure. but I think like that 's where you 're putting up stuff if you think you 've gotten there because that 's really an access point if a representative's trolling that site or it gets good coverage they they get on the homepage with a poster right. made up. If it's not a really good version of the draft, you're burning the reads. Right. So they definitely want to make sure that they've done their due diligence on their own time with their own access.
0: And for those who don't know, like you said, uh, burning their reads or you used uh, the, the, uh, the, the term, the, the apple, the bite, yes. the bad apple. Um, what does that
1: mean? Well, um, like a half-baked draft, like right. things that I, I think, where you, when we read it, you can just, t- maybe, they, maybe they turn themselves inside out to get to that point, And that's not a good sign either. If that's right. like, they're giving an A plus for effort, but a D for execution still. That's kind of like the Rudy of the football game here. Right. And Rudy's don't really survive in Hollywood. Cause like, there are no points for effort. It's about results. Right. So you have to actually be the star quarterback if you want to do this for a living, right. um, in writing and directing and above the line capacities like that. So I think um, if you read a draft and it feels like it's an amateur expression of their craft and they're putting that out there and trying to access representation because they think that that's the entry point. Well, it kind of is to the industry, but it's, it's, a, it's the end point of their process Right. because once they get representation, they're professional writers, at least theoretically, sure. and we're trying to monetize them. So they have to be on the level to be able to execute on a high level consistently. Because if you're not executing consistently on a high level, then you are going to start to do a downslide. If you're not, then you're, then you're having to reinvent yourself very soon. And as a representative, that reflects really poorly on you. It, it does, Sadly, it does. Even though I can't, like nothing, you know, my job is always tied to the results of other people. Right. <laughs> like I'm like, you know, <clears throat> the man behind the curtain or what, right. so to speak. But but yes, like I a part of my job knowing that my reputation is tied to that final product right. and their ability to execute means I have to make really good choices sure. with writers and filmmakers and clients I feel they're going to go into rooms and be competitive and win and, and 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 play the game, be it diplomatically or deferentially or knowing when to say and what not to say and and all that. And also like Yes, if, I, if my intuition tells me that this piece of material in its current form is not gonna move the needle for the writer, then I have to be the one that rejects it. Mm-hmm. Even with clients that have signed and say, listen, valiant effort. hopefully there's been something that's been learned from this. I think we're now circling the drain on this and I don't think the best use of our time is to move the chairs around the deck of the Titanic with this, pro- with this project right. and let's consider fresh meat. Let's consider a new way of going about creating an opportunity for them. Uh, And that's part of the job. Like I kind of say that I won't always say what clients want to hear, but I will say what they need to hear because it is always in their best interest, even if it means, you know, having to stop something or to push them harder. Because yes, if it enters the market, I'm not afraid of material entering the market and not selling or not converting at its highest level. You can't control that. But I don't want it to seem like this was an amateur expression of a piece of material or because then it really feels like I, I phoned in my job. I didn't best protect my client from their own worst instincts, which is part of the job sometimes because they're always going to think it's probably ready prematurely. And maybe there's the opposite. It thinks it's never ready. And that's a whole other set of coaching. But ultimately I think when the representative genuinely feels it's ready, then it's ready. And, the writer will usually be most excited when that happens, but they're not they're not demanding it to happen prematurely um because I just don't think it's going to serve all the hard work they put into it because it's going if you can't capitalize on a result of any form, then it really is wasted effort, and it could be a detriment because it could work against them and their reputation if it's not strong enough it brings them back back a step right and part of my job is kind of assessing all of that and advising on it
0: right the writers out there who don't have access for whatever reason, they're sort of newer to the business, they don't live in LA, they've never worked in the business, and the ways that they can get one professional level, strong, helpful feedback. Mm-hmm. I mean, feedback from your parents and friends probably is not, one, they may not have the expertise, but two, it's generally gonna be, you know,
1: If your glossy. parents reject it, you've got some real
0: issues going right. on there. Because they're, they're gonna be the warmest region. Right. Ever Absolutely. Right, <laughs> Um, But as well as access, which is incredibly difficult to get for people outside the business who don't understand, because of what we had talked about just previously, that your reputation is on the line. In other words, for somebody who has access and has a reputation, has contacts and a network, to refer a script and a writer means that I'm saying this script is good and that this writer is competent and professional, and if either of those two don't match up that don't actually happen, then it's a ding. I'm not saying that you're all of a sudden blacklisted off, you know, whatever, but it's, it's never a good thing. And so people outside the business, I don't think they understand that getting access through somebody else means they're putting their reputation on the line for you. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's easy to say, hey, can you get me into that party, for example, you know, that, across the, uh, the velvet rope, but not knowing someone and not knowing your material and not knowing you, to come in cold and just approach someone, hey, can you get me into that party? That's not the way the business tends to work. Which is why a
1: a, a referral is usually the most highly coveted because we know, like you stated, that the person who I have a relationship who is referring someone to me, If I were to read that and think it's utter garbage, it will probably have an adverse effect on my opinion of that person's taste. Right. So people are usually very reticent about making referrals unless they strongly believe in the material that they've read, or they may provide the context and the caveat beforehand. Maybe they're doing a favor for a friend. And they might even say, listen, you know, I think it needs work, but you're really great with writers at that stage. I wouldn't send it to you if I didn't think there was talent here or a really great person to work with or a really good guy or girl. Right. Then they might, they'll contextualize it in a way. If they're coming to me and saying, this script is amazing and they're not like an upseller. Right. Then they really believe in that material and that will become my weekend read because it's been highly vetted. It's gone through the... All it's the filter is as is, 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 as clean as it gets mm-hmm. from like me looking for a piece of business is from a relationship in the industry. But yes, writers out there may not have access to someone that is working so closely within the industry in some capacity and have access to representatives. I think everyone's probably no more than one or two degrees of separation from everyone in the industry, but finding that link can be tough. And then getting that person to again put their
0: neck on the line for the Well, individual. that's really on
1: the writer to develop, right. to design a piece of material that moves the needle for that person to make it. Because that person making the referral, because we do live in a world where like, we think about what's in it for me, sure. just the nature of human being, is if they read something they're really excited about, they could win a favor with their representative. Sure. And that's part of the job. Like Absolutely. if someone calls me up and they're, they're like, this is amazing, I, I'm grateful they're bringing something to me, it's, it's enhancing our relationship, and it's also going to make me want to genuinely re- reciprocate mm-hmm. if they bring me someone that i'm excited about or at least make the attempt i might not it might not be for me right or i might not sign the person competitively but someone looked out for me i'm going to look out for them right you know and make sure that when my writer writes a spec at a company and there's five executives i know at that company they're the one i'm going to go to with the material sure. so everyone's kind of thinking in terms of like how can they enhance their own personal business with these relationships that's what we do with our, our relationships are are like currency in that sense. Right. Like the best relationships are genuine they're all genuine, sincere when you got but at the end of the day from a business standpoint, it's 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 about like trying to enhance the the value of the currency of these relationships. Right. Yeah, so right. writers that can go through that referral if they get someone genuinely doing it, that's always going to be like get the most ex- expedited and most excited read out of someone like me. Right. But I get that's actually become like the, its own lottery ticket now. of Absolutely. getting your script into the into the industry through a referral of that nature.
0: Mm-hmm. So they
1: have to kind of all resort to other access points, be it you know through the contests, through the consultants that might have a relationship, but they're maybe not as close as the executives and the producers that we work with every day. Mm-hmm. Um, through the you know the blacklist website or through query letters. There's a number of ways in which they can. Garner access, but it's they're they're going to be much harder to get taken seriously through those routes. And I like you know I used to get, God still get like you know plenty of query because I put all my information online. My sure. website, I'm on IMDb Pro and Studio System, and because of like some of the stories of like finding a query letter and, and, and converting that into a movie that gets made from beginning to end. Um, then people are going to think, oh, let me try that too. And that's part yeah. of the process. Like you want to give everyone hope that they can get access in that way. And if they've written something truly magnificent, um, at least in essence, then we can take it the distance with the right relationships. But my, even my business back when I was working in, working with, um, within that model, and I, I think I found like in my first year of starting my own business after spending several years within the agency system, but since then, four years later, like my business has evolved to a point at which I'm very focused on my time, on my core clients that are either developing material that I really want to be a part of and, and or working regularly and I'm having a lot to manage in the scope of their relationships and, and their business and their, and their various pieces of material. But I still personally want to try to create a business model that creates access to Mm -hmm. a certain degree for writers that I don't know from Adam. Um, So I still get the query letters, but what I don't do anymore is I don't just, one, accept them at volume because I'd end up with just an inbox with too many queries I'm never going to have time to and just sadly... Hopefully there's probably just some writer out there waiting months wondering why didn't he read my script yet? I started getting the three, four, five, six follow-up emails, which eventually just become like delete or you just say, I'm sorry, I'm not going to have time to get to this. So what I kind of concocted at least for my motto, which for me was the middle ground was even though I, like I probably spent 90% of my time focused on my core business, Mm -hmm. which means that I at most have about 10% of my time open to the prospects of creating like a, a new piece of business with a new client. Because like being like having my own independent management business and wanting to be the focal point and the central access point for my clients and not farm it out to other colleagues or to interns or assistants or whatnot, um, I have to be mindful of my time. So in that ten percent has to be taken very seriously. Who are the ones in this ten percent that I'm going to seriously spend those four to six hours a week on Mm -hmm. that considering new business? And like like I said earlier, referrals always get like. You know top priority sure. but referrals, frankly don't come in every day for the reason you state is it's really hard to have someone love a piece of material so right. much to refer a young writer or filmmaker to a representative mm-hmm. um, so so now what I do is I actually I will when I get considered for queries let's say I get 3 dozen a day. Sure. Only a handful of them if that will be ones if I cuz I can always probably read the email. I have time. For that. It's less the email is just laboriously long. I right. almost delete that on principle just cuz like why <laughs> would you think I would have the time to read an essay right. about that? Like keep the queries succinct. Like yep. this much content on the email body, yep. right? Um, but the ones that actually feel like it might be in my zone with the idea, cause if it's not, I would just delete it. I don't want to waste my time or there considering something. It's just not my taste, but if it's kind of up my alley and I think it's curious, I just, I'm, i just don't have the time or even on principle anymore to read material unvetted like that. So I, but I will send them an email, kind of a succinct email that I have saying that I will consider your material as a, in a consultant capacity, right. um, which means, and this also allows me to kind of filter out the ones that are in a position in their life as writers to not be starving artists, because even ones that are as clients, like or whatever, like it's hard to get their ear to focus on their job because they spend most of their time doing their paid job or whatever that looks like. And I wanna have people that have, maybe have some independent freedom or they've got a job that pays them well enough that they don't have to work 60 hours a week. So by telling them I'll consult on their script for a fee, then that's protecting my time because I'll spend two to three hours reading and consulting on that. It also creates a filter in which I know I'm getting someone that one has some financial independence and two believes in their material enough to put money behind it. It's just money is equivalent to value and self-worth and only the people that'll be willing to spend, like if they're not willing to spend it might maybe on some level, maybe they don't have any money. I get it. And that's okay. They shouldn't be spending their money on strip consulting when they need to put food on the table. But the ones that are willing to spend it are also saying, I believe in my material enough to do this. And that's a, a, that's a vet in and of itself. Mm-hmm. And that's a great way for me to at least consider that this material might potentially be on the level because this person is going to spend some money on something to get a read that they know they're only probably going to get that read once right? because it is a first buy at the apple and an only buy at the apple. Um, and then um, and if it's not for me, which there's a very small bullseye that it is, because like I said, they've got to be well out of their own red zone. And most queries, like i would said, sadly, just don't go through enough vetting or haven't quite gotten developed enough as writers to be considered for professional representation. I do promise to give them back my own honest, like thorough and actionable feedback so that at least they can take away what they can do creatively to enhance this material, why it's deficient so they can have someone, because I'm not really good at being a bullshitter. Like I will, I, will, I will present information with the right tone, but it's gonna be the, still the information they need to hear. And, um, and, and information on how they may wanna go about navigating the industry, maybe querying with this broken script isn't the thing they should be doing right now. And right. I can give them some advice on that. They may have just never heard before, um, and I may even provide them with resources to consider. Like if I read a piece of material that I think is similar to a voice that is on the level, I will send them scripts by that writer and say, read these scripts. Mm-hmm. This is this is maybe the bar you should set yourself up to try to rise to so you at least have some comparison. Just trying to give them information and resources that will help them for a relatively nominal fee, like grand scheme of things. Right. But that fee it doesn't make it possible for me to prioritize it professionally.
0: Sure, no, and I, I think
1: it. I think it, it ends up being a nice middle ground to still be accessible to unvetted queried writers, and not just right. close them down at the door with the stock. I don't receive unsolicited material for time or liability purposes. There's a lot. There's there's a lot of representatives out there that just have that policy and I try to still be accessible, but I can't be the open door policy anymore of saying, if you find my email, you're guaranteed to get me to read your script. Right. And if the ones I was accepting um, just on query for no charge, like frankly, sometimes they would take me months to get to them. Sure. At least when someone, I feel if someone is going to pay for a service, I will prioritize that. They will get feedback within a week or two. And as a result of that, I'm also only taking on a handful per month. Right. So they're really they've really also gone through my own gauntlet there, right, so that's something I kind of opened up as an as an access right and I feel it kind of is a it's close to a win win for me and my time, and if my time is seemingly wasted in the sense that it just wasn't it should not have been read by me, sure. it just was not there um then at least i was I was compensated for my time and i'm I am going do my best to try to give. Feedback for right. that writer, which is more than just the stock. It's not for me. Right. Thanks. Right. Best of luck with it. Which doesn't help them at all. But that's all they've earned where they haven't paid anything. Sure. If they paid something, then they're going to get more out of it. And as a representative, I just feel like you know, there's it. it, it it's one less degree of separation to direct access to a representative. If you go to a script consultant and get that same feedback, you still have to access a representative with that material sure. or through Absolutely. that referral. And I'm sure to some they still don't want to pay anything of any nature and they expect free reads from representative and that's their, they have every right to believe that and there are plenty out there that maybe that is their business model and they can corner that I used to operate in that space I just don't anymore and it's just my new model and it's how I comport myself and a lot of writers I've worked with in that capacity every single one has found it valuable And I don't take on high volume with that, because like I said, I only dedicate a few hours a week to that, which means I have a cutoff when I've hit like a certain number per month. All right, I'm like, that's all I can take on, because I'm not gonna spend 20 hours of my week doing this side, of it because it's not my business model. It's just creating that 10% access point, not wasting my time, and getting the writer something they can work with, be it an opportunity to be representative, or feedback on things they can be doing to their material. Right. Yeah, so that kind of, it's something I've kind of taken on the last few months um, which has been working well, so continue to go until I feel like I either don 't have time for it right. or it's just it 's just not conducive with my model anymore, but the bridge between their sustainable paid writing career and where they 're at now might require some cost, right be it going to school and paying for an right. education, buying books, hiring script consultants, going to pitch fest, right. paying you know, they, believe me if if you write your script for free don't expect to access the industry entirely for free as well there's no entitlements sure. in that sense if they can find them or they can kind of leverage them then great right the path of you know least resistance or the path of the cheapest resistance sure but be prepared to like have to put your value where your talent is which right. is another way of saying put your money where your mouth is
0: well i think that that it comes from, there's a lot of predatory services and individuals who are just trying to get money from unsuspecting, naive, inexperienced young writers out there. Yes, there's a lot of
1: praying out
0: there. and And I think they give those individuals who do provide a service, and we don't provide a service here, Um, I'm very proud of that. Mm -hmm. We try to keep our journalistic integrity, if you want to call it that. It's great. Um, but at the same time, there are valuable people out there who do charge for services that are totally worthwhile. Yes. And you're right. I think there are, I won't
1: name any, but I think there are illegitimate sources of access out there that are more about just taking advantage of the naivete of writers with money looking for access. Um, and I guess, you know, Sometimes the baby's got to stick its finger in the light socket before it knows to not do it right. again. But there is a lot of information. Like I say, they do their research. Any of the illegitimate ones that are scamming, they're probably some public record out there online. Right. That they're not the best use of your time. Right. So if you do a little due diligence and not throw your money at the first ad that comes up right. on your Facebook paywall, then I think you'll you'll be able to find the Lee Jessups and the Andrew Hiltons out there when right. it comes to consulting. I, I Listen... I don't think writers should spend undisposable income on those sure. types of things. Uh, I think that they just, just, I would only say that because I think there's a, there's a very small chance it's strong enough at that level at that right. time. And I, it's very tragic when someone is spending their grocery money on a consultant that just doesn't quite, when they're not quite ready for it. So I think like, in, in terms of like how do you do it if you don't have the resources to access, that's the hardest battle. That's like scaling D-Day without a gun on the beach of Normandy. Like you need, like having a little bit of additional cash is the gun that gets you across the beach. Um, But um, that's when I think maybe like they're gonna have to like consider moving to Los Angeles, looking for a job in the industry if they can, where they can try to like get paid for providing you know, services of some kind, assistant, intern, right. whatever, and then building their own legitimate relationships, which aren't gonna cost them anything when it right. comes to getting their reads and to moving their writing and filmmaking careers right. forward. If you're trying to do it from another country, from another city, right. and you're not coming here, giving yourself immediate access, you better be prepared to spend
0: a little. Yeah, and if they can't afford it or they dis- they're whatever morally opposed to it, that's fine too. But know that I think the road will be a little bit harder. You know, there's fewer people that will look at your material, uh, and again, I'm not promoting, I'm not pitching, I'm not doing anything of that sort. Telling yeah. you who to go to. I'm just saying yeah, yeah. there are legitimate people out there who can help you, who are good people, like Scott, who uh, you know I've known for years. And uh, whether you're charging or whether you're not, wh- whatever your your the uh, work ethic, your professionalism, just. Uh, your What you provide to clients and to others out there, just via these podcasts even, is invaluable. So, you know, if people are considering your services, again, I'm not promoting just going out and spending money. Yeah. You're one of the good guys in the business. In terms of promoting it, I frankly don't want to because sure. I do
1: not want to be inundated where I have like, dozens of people a week willfully willing to throw a little coin to get their script read i still won't have time for that right like i will still vet it down to a handful and make time as i have time because i'm still going to spend the majority of my time on my clients and to your point earlier i think yeah like for me what's most exciting about the information i spent you know my own money coming to hollywood and learning these things but i spent a much more time in the industry just learning through osmosis or, or or learning trial by fire or doing sure. the work for, for, for a decade now, learning the ins and outs of it. And if I can provide like a more clear, succinct path with cut through information that gets posted on a website for free for, I wish I had more of that when I was trying to break in. Right. The internet and YouTube and Facebook, like these things are all emer- emerging in the last, you know, they were all around when I started out, but like the, the access now and the, and the kinds of services that you and, and other podcasts that are presenting out there are I think are just tremendous resources right. for writers and anyone trying to just garner pearls of wisdom from us on what they can be doing to get their foot in the door, how they can be best preparing themselves to get access to whomever you know, half the battle is what you put on the page and the other half is learning the best way to get yourself out there and to be taken seriously. And yes, all roads lead to Rome, but some have got- Some are longer and bumpier and muddier than than others. (laughs) Some have got moats, some have got cliffs that drop you into the abyss. And yes, if we can provide information on the clearer paths to Rome, be it the more legitimate script consultants or representatives open to queries or whatever, then then great. I think if you're a truly talented writer and you believe in yourself and you've got some disposable income to really take yourself seriously put right. out there, then, you, then you, don't, you can approach it and feel like it still has integrity to it. Yeah. You don't have to approach the process cynically or jaded that anyone out there looking to help for money is automatically taking advantage. I, don't, I think it's just a way of um, making sure that there is going to be some reciprocity, some protection of our yeah. time, vetting people's seriousnesses of that, like, you know, my whole model, like as a representative getting, you know, being a commission-based representative, like I still, I don't tally my, my time based on like hours logged. Otherwise right. I'm probably making five cents an hour. <laughs> you know, you, you just, you, you do a lot of work um, for the love of the game. Right. And like, even in the consulting capacity, like I've done it, like I've only so far only, I've only signed one person from, that I I felt had a piece of material that was a place that I feel I can do something with them. And I've already put in two dozen hours since bringing them on less than two weeks ago Mm -hmm. because they're now a client and they take up more of my 90%. And so any consulting fee I got on that has already been diluted down sure. to minimum wage. Right. So it's not about the money. It's right. about just making sure that someone's willing to be able to step up no,
0: I get and it. acknowledge
1: that they're playing in the big leagues here and they've got to be willing to buy a better bats.
0: Right, right, right. That's absolutely a good
1: reference. I could count on one hand the people that kind of responded with a real flippant email. Like most of them respond saying, I completely get it. I right. can't afford it, but thank you. I'm like, of course, I understand. Right. Like, don't spend money you don't have on something like this. Sure. And and some of them, like, and I, so I'd say, like, only a very small percentage of them are, like, really cynical about it. You know, frankly, which is great because it shows that there's a little more of a, like, an openness to people understanding this concept out there. But if they can find a way that doesn't require them to pay, then go for it right. and scream it from the rooftop so all your fellow colleagues out there in the writing world can do it the same way. Right. I just don't know what that is. Right. Like, I don't know how you can have a passive, least resistant and not have it cost anything. Like, right. There's the whole saying, if you want something to be great, something to be fast, something to be cheap, you don't right. need two of the three. That's absolutely You're true. you trying to break into the industry, you, know, you can't have the best of all three worlds right. just because you wrote a screenplay. Even if it's the greatest thing. We as representatives, if you've written the greatest screenplay ever, and you want it, we want it. Yeah, absolutely. But we don't know what it is until we read it. Right. And sadly, we have to protect our time because there's 99% of the people out there that are trying to access us with prematurely or maturely. It's just not ready or never will be. And so... It, it, there's no way to vetting. I don't. I do not know a clear-cut way to vet that, that does not involve some of the various ways we're talking right. about here: referrals, contests, consultants, right. whatnot. Believe me, it's at least now we're breaking down
0: what these are, sure. so people can decide if or what way they want to right. take. Because you can't query everyone in town, and you may get a read, you may not. Although the track record of that, if you're getting five. 10% of response rate on your queries, you're probably doing fairly well. So yeah, for sure. Most people
1: like they, they haven't directed to go into
0: their spam now. where right. don't see that shit. So, you know, but you can absolutely do that and not spend money. And again, I think it's okay to start there. Like I would say start absolutely. with the
1: cheapest, cleanest route, Right. query the whole town, go right. on INDB, get everyone's email and send that out. Right. See if you get any reads, see if the reads are variable, fair, are favorable and go from there. Right. But if that fails, you got to figure out a new route, a new sure. tactic. That's just strategy. Right. And it might mean you have to put in more time, more effort, more research, or maybe even some money. Right. Because if you believe in yourself, then you have to convince people why they should believe in you. Right. And that's not just going to be an entitled sense of what you think you've wrote is great. That's right. true for most writers. Right. You know, you've got to be able to like, you know, prove beyond what you've written on the page that you that you're worthy
0: of being read. Right. Um, for those out there who are going to attempt to uh, query or to uh, you know, try to gain access through other means, what can they do to increase their chances? You had mentioned, keep your query letter short, which we've mentioned many times before. Mm-hmm. Keep it short. Don't give me a paragraph on, you know three paragraphs on who you are and where you went to school and all this stuff. You don't care. Nobody I won't cares care
1: until your material is strong enough. Right. Then I'll care. Right. Yeah.
0: They want a, you want a log line. You want one or two sentences. That's it. Yeah. Right. Um, how else can writers out there who have finished their first or second, hopefully second or third, whatever script, how can they get be sure that they get the best opportunity to even have your stuff looked at for you know for your service or whatever, have anybody look at their query and take it seriously? Yeah, well, like like
1: you said, I think a, a, a legitimate, like, you know, uh, legitimate, but like a, a, something they can do is still do the query letter route, clear the whole town, and they might get like 5% response rate if that, but yes, like keep your query short to the point, have a gangbusters log line. Sometimes it takes just as long to write a log line as it does to write Absolutely. a first draft. I know it sounds like in a hyperbole, but believe me, a really good log line is what we sell off of. Like we can't sell story that's a two hour commitment. You've already kind of like they've already won when they've invested in that. They've read the script. They paid for the movie. We need like a really sexy short expression of that. So spend time getting your log line in shape. There's plenty of books and resources there on how to craft a great log line and be it in, reverse engineer your logline from your script or come up with the logline first and write a script based on your logline, whatever works for the writer and their process, mm-hmm. but it needs to become a good logline. And even if it doesn't have to be like super high concept, like I don't want to make it seem like it's gotta be like, like great, if someone like A Quiet Place just came out a few weeks ago, that's a great, I'm sure the would said that's a really great idea. It's a really fresh, cool, interesting, way into a genre film with, you know, what's presumably a silent film and creatures that attack on sound, which then just thematically starts to suggest this movie is going to be about communication, and right. it's going to be about visuals, and it's really good. Like, you know, th- and that's like a, wild, that's a lot of of itself to kind of, and that's why that script sells and gets made and does well, because it, a couple of the writers came up with something really sexy and mm-hmm. really clean and, and and but kind of a no-brainer and they put it into a genre that's doing extremely well but but like miss sloan was like it like it was a really great log line but it didn't suggest commercial if anything right. it maybe suggested controversial which i think can be kind of commercial in and of itself but it was more about just it was well written it reflected the tone of the script which was intelligent it had it had it had like in Smart words that, you know, really knows this writer is not just like, you know, thesauricing these. Like you they understand the meaning of these words. And it had a strong female protagonist up against an underdog story in a political setting with a hot-button topic. Like, latch on to your elements you know are sexy or interesting and put them in your logline and imply conflict. Imply that this is going to be a challenging journey for a character or characters. That's, I think, something that's really important in a logline. Um, I've read plenty of loglines that don't seem to imply any conflict or they're teasing at the conflict. Right. Like, or the worst will happen. It's right. like, you know, like, give us more than right. that. You know, you got to sell us in the logline that there's going to be something really at stake here. Right. Um, so once they've got the logline down, maybe a very small little, you can, if you, I don't mind if someone wants to contextualize their log line a little bit with like their inspiration for writing the script or why they were the most qualified to tell that story or whatnot. Just keep it at a minute or less in terms of someone's reading time. and send the query directly to the representative don't like do the BCC the whole town on yeah. some principle I think that's kind of lazy to whom it may concern kind of all stuff. that like find it put the person's
0: name at the yeah. top personalize it with signing it if they've been don't... on the podcast mention it and you like them on the podcast
1: yeah it's great <laughs> if they say that shows it at least for me that does tell me they've done some research right. or they're reaching out to me because they know who I am based on the myriad information I put out there for sure. them to hopefully access, use to help them and maybe reach back to me if they're interested right. doesn't guarantee I'll read or take anything on but at least I know that you know that they're doing their due diligence it helps and um, do it all in the email body some people say if you'd like to know read the attachment I'm not going to open an attachment I know it might seem super lazy but I'm like you could have just cut and pasted that right you know save me one step like you know do make it as simple and clean as possible for the person just because you know we, we got many other things that we can and will and should be doing right So I think that's a great route, like, you know, really get that skill set down. You got the good query approach and then try that out. Um, I think I actually still legitimately believe, unless you're from a foreign country and you're a writer and trying to access, like if you're young and not held down in a certain, I really think people at some point, if they're not getting access through the internet, like come to LA, like at least come here for a summer or move right. here. I know it's a little bit more expensive, but if you're living in New York City, you should be living in L.A. if you want to be a writer. That's right. just as expensive, if not more so. Or San Francisco, no, live in L.A. right? And then come here and get a job interning at one of the myriad production companies or studios that, right. like, if you're still in school or apply as an assistant at the entry level, get in, learn the industry from the inside out while working on your craft and as a building writer. And your network. That's what it's all about. Yeah. You're going to get an education and a network at the same time. And you're going to get paid for it, too. Sure. They're going to be paid. Not much. But I worked for 10 bucks an hour for God knows how long at his agencies. And you kind of feel like you're getting paid to go to grad school. Right. Like you're sitting there doing a 14-hour workday, but you're learning every step of the right. way. It's incredible. Um, so I encourage people that are starting out and they're writing like, build your network simultaneously right it will be invaluable at some point then you're going to not have to pay for anything it's going to be all like leveraging your relationships to get those reads right and if you're good it's going to be the easiest way to get the reads because you're going to be able to get multiple many reads the vetting reads the serious reads from representatives you can access producers directly they're not going to be so demanding about oh you have to go through a rep like an executive at a production company will read a script by their intern And if they think it's great, then they'll take it on or they'll refer it to a representative to help protect that writer going forward. So I think that's another really great way to just try to protect your future in the entertainment industry is to be here doing the work,
0: learning it. When is a writer ready to search for representation? And what I mean by that is not the sort of... uh, in terms of like writing ability, because every writer thinks that they're ready, or yes. they, you know, but in terms of like a practical sense, like a writer with one piece of material is probably not ready for representation for a myriad of reasons. Both, like you're you're trying to build a career, not sell one piece of material, mm-hmm. and, but also, uh, two is that they probably don't have that sort of experience. You know, they haven't spent their ten thousand hours developing their the writing ability, their skill, uh, storytelling skills, and things like that, but. What do you like to see, like, if you find somebody's piece of material compelling? What do you like to see? How many pieces of material? Mm-hmm. How many ideas? I mean, what do you like to see from... It's an interesting question, because I actually, I'm not
1: sure if I'm, like, can give, if I'm the, the best answer for that, just because, like, I, I think in principle, everything you're saying sure. makes sense. Like, someone who's kind of done their Malcolm Gladwell... 10,000 hours thing, so they feel like they've at least found their voice, Um, have a number of broken scripts that were kind of like the, you know, trial by fire, getting themselves to their final product that's worthy of representation. But sometimes, like, yeah, there's people out there, like, you know, Johnny Pereira on Miss Sloan, first thing he ever wrote, you know? I I couldn't believe it when I said, what else he read, he says nothing. But it didn't scare me, because I'd read the script and, like, you're a fucking savant then. Right. Because if this is the first thing you ever wrote, this is better than 95%, if not more so, of all material I've read, including some industry shit. Sure. So it's like, wow, that excited me. Right. Knowing that 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 was a level of talent, intrinsic talent that existed within this writer, for instance. So I don't want to say that you have to kind of go through the marigamaru of doing a bunch of the, like, like crawling through the shit to get to the other side, because maybe you might have a real natural ability to write. But I think it's very hard for, I think in terms of the practicality of when that truly is, like what number of scripts. I think when there's, I know for myself, I only need written one piece of material that's really strong. I'm okay if they, if they say the rest of their stuff is shit and I don't want to read it and they don't want to read it, then fine. It's okay. I'll take their word for that. I might ask what are some of those ideas because so, maybe some of them have broken execution, but good ideas and we can fix it. Sure. But I do like writers to have other ideas because yeah. in this market, even though most ways to sustain a career is assignments and you've got to be willing to go out there and compete and get jobs to pay your bills and do this for 20 years – Writers, I think, still always have to be willing to generate ideas. Um, because if things aren't, if there's gaps in their schedule or it's competitive out there and they don't get what they're going up for, they've got to be willing to fall back on their own original ideas and write them on spec. Mm-hmm. So I want to I hear what those ideas are. So I think beyond the first, assuming that piece of material is strong enough to get representation and be used as a... As an access point of material to the market, I want to make sure that they have other ideas ready to talk about. And I actually won't take out the material with that person until I know at least one or two of their other ideas are strong enough to talk about. Because the first thing people are going to ask after they read that is what else they got. Because not everyone can have that script. At most, one company and one buyer is going to get it. So they're going to want to be in business with that person in some other way. And we don't want to assume it's going to be a reactive business of them of those producers or studios throwing material at that writer, it might be that writer saying, I've got this, I've got that. Mm -hmm. So I want to make sure they're set up to win. And they have a couple of really great ideas they can be talking about. And if that script that we take out does what it's supposed to do, then it's okay they haven't written it. It's, I don't, I don't like, okay, now we have to take another spec. Like if you've got another spec and there's, they're both great, then okay, great, we'll do the one, two punch and we'll time it right. Or we'll, we'll use that spec to go to your specific relationships. You build off the first material where we blanket the town and not do another blanket approach. Right. But if they have strong ideas, ideally maybe they can get hired to write that. Or they'll develop it at least within the vacuum with a the, with the producer that can then leverage their relationships to get that writer paid in some capacity. So really have a really strong first script and a couple of really great ideas, and then we've got something we can work with at the basics. That's okay for me. I will work with someone on
0: that level. Right. And there's something to be said for the opposite being correct as well. Don't come to a manager saying, I have 57 scripts, or I have uh, 18 scripts, because that, yeah, that's... Then what? I kind of think, what have you been doing writing 18 scripts, and you haven't got representation right. yet?
1: Like, maybe they don't have access and all those things we talked about. Sure. But I feel, I love that they've been writing so much. But I, I question their taste, and like, and you know, are they just, do they not have a zone? They're just so prolific, they want to write everything under the right. sun? Like, no, focus, like, focus on your strengths develop them to become a prototype and then when you're established then you'll have the latitude to be able to branch out and do other stuff but like what's very important i know some this can kind of seem like a stigmatism for writers but the whole point is you want to be able to be put on a list yeah like if you're not on the list at a as a at legitimate production company studios to be hired for certain genres comedy drama right. action sci-fi you want to be on these lists which means we as representatives want to get you on those lists. So we need material that's list worthy and within the genre of that list and get you on that list and then try to get you hired to write stuff that would put you that, from that list, the assignments that are associated with that, that list. And then once you've kind of established that you're really strong at that, then we can talk about pivoting and expanding right. and everything. But to go out with something, I get you on a list and then write something else that takes you off that list to get another list is kind of wasting your efforts of trying to really get some firm traction right. in that area. So it actually is like, it's kind of a tested and true strategy that we still use to these days. Now those lists are shorter than they've ever been, and there's less lists, because the assignments have all the whole dynamic of the assignment game has changed a lot, which we don't need to go on here. It's not as relevant to writers who haven't really right. broken through to the industry yet, but Yeah, the whole point is to still get them into a place where they can get hired to write assignments. Right. Um, And and that's very competitive, which means your material has to be as good as it's ever been in the industry. Right. And that's the challenge that writers of 2018 are having up against the ones of 2010 is just that I think it's got to be better writing because there's less originality because 10,000 titles have come out since then. That means there's less original stuff to create. Right. And... The, the bar of the industry, although it might seem in some creative circles is getting less to get a job and to get paid up front in the early days still has to be the best of the best. Right. It's almost like you have to be better than they think you are to get the job and then you can do not as good of work within the system because maybe some material doesn't require that level of. Um, thematic depth, or intelligent execution, or all right, those yeah. things. But to get in, you need to have shown that you have got all those skills, and then we then you just apply the ones that are relevant right. to the jobs that you get.
0: Right.
1: Yeah. So find your zone and do the best you can in it, and then let your rep- help let your representatives help you, you know, navigate that narrow pathway, and then we'll open it up. It's right. a reverse funnel approach.
0: Right. We always sort of end on uh, what sort of advice do you have for aspiring writers. We've done this whole uh, podcast interview thing we've had you on so many times, and you've given so much great information. So I don't know if your fountain of wisdom has any more that we can squeeze out of it. but what what would you say, you know, to the, the writers who are watching? Like, I
1: think, like, you know, if if the core audience that we're speaking to here is people out there on the periphery with stories to tell that want to find a way to get their talents into our grasps and see if we can help them, um, I think, and it does harken back to what I feel is wasted opportunity is when they get access, but they're not ready, and... And I, and I, I think it, it's hard to characterize and how to know if and when you're ready. Mm-hmm. But I, I encourage writers, filmmakers out there creating content to do their research and get their hands on material that have, that is sold in the industry, spec scripts that have kind of broken out from like writers that they hadn't heard of that obviously got their first representatives and then broke in in a meaningful way. And the, you know, going back, maybe maybe don't go back too deeper than, you know, five, six, seven years ago, because you want to stay as current in the process as you can, be it the safe houses of the world, or the misloans of the world, or whatever, and make sure you read that material. Like, you can find all of that stuff online nowadays. Right. It's not, the Black lives website has all of it now, I think, and you can pay a nominal fee to have access to it. Read, read that material, because I, I read a lot of material And it makes me question whether or not these writers have actually read screenplays Hmm. and seen what the bar is. And yes, everyone has a different voice and it's not about emulating or copying other people's voices, but you want to get a sense of what sounds and presents itself in a cinematic fashion on the page. And that's a skill, that's a craft that can be developed and there's plenty of evidence out there of what it looks like. And so I encourage writers to be accessing that and reading all of that and then when it comes to their own material um there's always the old adage write what you know i think it is good to like don't start out with what you think is like the trendy piece of commercial material that everyone wants to read as an introductory screenplay i don't encourage going that route route write something that you think is going to um show that you have a story to tell. I'm not talking about your own personal story. Most of us do not have stories worthy of movies or TV shows, but a story of some kind that means something to you personally. Because if that means something to you personally, it is the best chance it's going to mean something to someone else. If it doesn't mean something to you personally, then why would it mean something to someone else? And I don't mean personally in the sense of its insular capacity of the scope. I mean, it just has some sort of thematic or emotional resonance that means something to the person writing it. Right. It's gonna feel like there's a connective tissue there to the readers at least. And once you've discovered what that is, make sure that you spend the necessary time and care really developing that. Like It's okay if the first draft comes out fast and clean in a week or two or whatnot, but I always believe that really great scripts, the rewrites take well longer than the first drafts do. and. You know, you might have to be willing to tear it down to find out really, really what this story is about after that scratch draft or that first draft. But building up a work ethic as a writer, I think, you know, again, I'm not on the other side of the desk sitting with them when they send out the queries or they're trying to get their scripts read for the first time. But I'd like to think based on what I've read that they probably just did not spend enough. If they spent thousands of hours on that, then they have other issues right. when it comes to whether or not they should be doing that for a living. <laughs> right. But assuming that they, it's just not there yet because they just didn't do the put in the time or really just you know go through a legitimate process of patience and care and vetting and rewriting and all that. Like I know it's kind of more broad, but like you got to have an intuition that's objective, right? And they got to get past all the self love. And get, go through the self-hate and go through all those processes to get to a point where you say, you almost step out of your body and you look at this material and you're saying, I don't know who wrote this, but this is fucking great. Right. You know, and I realize that's hard to do when you've written it. Because I do think writers also have to have a mindset about their material that at most they're a surrogate parent for their screenplay. Because unless they're gonna self-finance that thing and be the director and see it all the way through, they're writing something they're ultimately gonna take money from and give it to a director and a producer in the movie industry. And they may not even be required of services thereafter. Or they may be invited back to see the child every once in a while with additional work. So that really means a writer has to acknowledge that they are going to love this like their child but they're fully prepared to give that child away which means that they have to be able to look at raising this child not as if it was their own it was for someone else and i think that means that they had to be thinking about what can they do with the blueprint of the blueprint that is their screenplay and then ask themselves, is there's enough here for this to be worthy of being clothed and fed and put out there in the world to grow up into a strong, intelligent adult? And that's not their job. So they get to put all their energy and resources into making sure that those 120 pages of white space and black print convey the strongest, most basic form of that. And no more, and no less. I read a lot of material that I think is either underbaked or overbaked. They're just like, And I think there's a a perfect balance there. And those spec scripts that I recommended that have sold, and those are really good examples of what a a perfectly baked script is. Right. Um, And I think they can just spend more time on their process and looking at those resources to best prepare themselves for those submissions in any way that they can figure out, which we've talked at length
0: about. Right, right. As always, it's a pleasure, Scott. Um, if you haven 't seen or heard, I guess because none of our previous podcasts were on youtube mm-hmm. um, he 's done a number of podcast interviews with us they 're all incredibly informative, especially the ones like you know with Johnny about Johnny Pereira and the Sloan, where it shows like how you can get a query to feature film there 's so much valuable information there. Um, obviously it's getting struck by lightning, but it gives hope to a lot of young writers out there and shows that it is possible, but you have to put in the time and the effort and really it's, it, it doesn't happen overnight. How long? Yeah. No, I think that in was. that podcast,
1: I'd talk a little bit about it, but like the work that Johnny did right. prior to mm-hmm. even sending it out, it was a lot of what I talked about here. Yeah. It was not just a half baked, I wrote a script in a weekend kind of thing and right. sent it off it was a process where he did the work, the research, the reading, the revising, all of that, before he even
0: sent that first query email out. So you can definitely check that out. Go to our website, scriptsandscribes.com. We thank you for watching. If you do have questions that you would like us to answer, uh, or if there's any specific guests you want us to interview, you can, if you're watching on YouTube, leave it in the comments below, or you could email me. The information is on the website, scriptscribes.com, or tweet us to, at scriptscribes.
1: Taking over the universe when I'm using words. Every time I do the work, I be leaving them stupid hurt. You was right, I'm going crazy when I do the verse, but it do not matter. Mad Hatter, I'm feeling like a zebra. Little shoulder shake, kicking like I'm taking name. Started taking names ever since I
0: made a change. Went from body, daddy to body, I played a game. Every player's major pain. Drill them, then I did the blame. Yeah, you think you popping the-